We want to welcome you this morning. Uh, thank you for joining our program. Today we are exploring the book of Ephesians through this summer. If you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn with us to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, we're going to dive in there. We want to say that we believe God has a great word for you this morning. Um, the church of Ephesians, was a, the church of Ephesus, uh, was made up of the Ephesian people. And it was a very cross-cultural church. Uh, very different uh, racial groups and language, languages were in the city of Ephesus as it was a major trade city. And uh, man, God, God did a great work there. We believe that Family of Grace is our desire to be that same type of church. It's breaking through those barriers. And uh, God has a great work for us. Hope this message blesses your heart today. And so if you have your Bible in Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to look at what that looks like, what that pillar looks like. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed be God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. He chose us. Now, there's two things here. He blessed us. He chose us. In Him before the foundation of the world. In who? In Christ. He chose us. Before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ. For himself, according to his favor and his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, he favored us in the beloved. Let's stop right there. Let's look at a couple things. What is the first thing that I want you to realize this morning? Well... I want you to realize the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father. Now, there's a lot of different things in this world that we live in. And uh, there's a lot of different dads, and there's a lot of different fathers. Then there's those super dads, and those things, and how all that begins to connect, and all those, everything begins to shape up. But as we look at this, a father, a father is concerned about the welfare of his family. Concerned about their provision, concerned about where they're going in life, and he wants to do everything he can to help them get there in life. And so he becomes this super dad, this super dad who's making it away, making it possible for all these things to happen. And when we think about this, it begins to really connect the dots for where we are. Now understand, having a child doesn't make you a father. We have a lot of people who have children, but they're not dads and they're not fathers. They're just sperm donors. You say, wow, well, Pastor, that's kind of blunt. Well, that's all they are, really. I mean, they don't care about the welfare of their children. They don't care about the future of their children. They don't care about the present tense state of their children. Basically, they united with a female, of, and there they have a child. And they have a term for them. They're called deadbeat dads. They're not in line. They're not fathering. They're not making a difference in children's lives. Today, I want to show you the heart of a real dad. As a matter of fact, it's found right here in verse 3. In verse 3, if you go back and look at this, it says, He, the Father, the Father chose us. Let's go back and look. Let's read verse 3 and see what... What that says for us there. It says, blessed be the God and Father. 
of who? Jesus Christ. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. A couple of things I really want you to circle in this verse. Number one. Number one, I want you to really circle this fact that He has blessed you. He's blessed you. Today, there's so many people that think, man, I mean, they live every day in the provision of blessings, and you let one thing go wrong in their life. I mean, you let one thing go south, whether it be a job, a child, a truck, a lawnmower, a weed eater, a chainsaw, and we all know those three are destined to go south. But you let one thing go south in their life. I'm not even getting to the health issues. Let one thing not be perfect. And we develop this God doesn't love me. God's picking on me. He's mad at me. God is just a God of anger. And he doesn't love his children. How in the world could there be a God of love if he let this happen? Well, it's not what he lets happen that we ought to worry about. It's what he, we ought to be thanking him for everything he kept from happening. How many near misses we had? How many times he's healed our body? How many times he's given provision? How many times he's done all these things? It says, blessed, blessed, fortunate is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Didn't say he blessed Jesus. It says he blessed us. Circle that in the Bible. Matter of fact, Write your name right there. I mean, I, you just draw an arrow out to the side and write Brad right there. Just mark out us and let that read. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed Brad. Amen. That's my promise. So what's God doing in my life. That's my personal promise. Now, if you go a little bit further in this, it says he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. That word every, I'm just a pretty simple-minded person, but that word every just really means every. It encompasses everything. It encompasses everything. Now, now this, this is an important part right here. Because there's a lot of teaching today that here's what it says. <clears throat> if you will give your heart to Jesus, and you will do good, and you will go to church, and you will do all these things, and you will pray well, and you will worship well, and you will read the Bible well, and you will work well, and you will do all these things, then maybe He'll bless you with some spiritual blessings. Matter of fact, they, they call it this, the second blessing. They call it the second blessing. If, if you do good enough, and you go to church enough, and, and you get enough people to rally around, rally around you, pray hands, lay hands on you, pray over you, anoint you enough all, maybe you'll get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to understand something. You receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost at the moment of conception. It'd be like being born and not... It, it, listen, if, you're, if a baby is born and there is no heartbeat, that baby is dead on arrival. I'm telling you that if you are born again and the Spirit of the Holy Ghost of God is not deposited in your life, you are spiritually dead on arrival because it's the Spirit that gives life. Jesus gave forgiveness he paid for the atonement but it's been protected by the holy spirit the life that he deposits within us now when we think about this it's the blessing every spiritual blessing you're not on a trial run 
I want you to understand now. Now, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't just believe in what's called the second blessing. I believe in a third helping and a fourth helping and a fifth helping and a sixth helping and a seventh helping. I am telling you that what happens in your life when you get to the place where you fall in love with Jesus over and over and over again, it gets sweeter as the days go by. It, every day with Him, you love Him more and more and more. And I want you to understand something. And it's not about you getting more of Jesus. It's about Jesus getting more of you. I'm telling you, hey, you got all you're going to get at the day that you gave your heart to Him. You're not on a trial run. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not on a trial run. God loves you. And He chose you. He elected you. That word elect has to do with past tense. He looked at you. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, we'll look at it a lot this week in our going deeper videos that will be coming to you. But it says, while we were dead in our trespasses, He chose us. While we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive. While we were children of disobedience, while we were children of wrath, you know what that children of wrath is. It means you may love your dad, but you may not. You remember that day you didn't love his appearing. Oh man, look, there's a many days I loved my dad, but I didn't love his appearing because I knew I had done messed up. And I knew I loved him, and I knew my dad loved me, but boy, I didn't love his appearing. So I would try to sneak off to bed that night quietly so that I could escape the wrath that was coming. Because I had been a child of disobedience. While we were children of disobedience, while we were deluded, while we were damned, while we were destructive, while we were deceived, God loved us. With all of our dysfunction, with all of our mess, He loved us. I remember, I remember when my kids first made it to second grade. They, you know, they got to that place where like real school was really starting to happen. And for some reason, they were just struggling with, with being quiet. I don't know where they get that from at that time. And so... Man, uh, man, you know, uh, they were just struggling with conduct. And uh, I told myself, I tell you what, if you get this together, Daddy's going to buy you a fish. And so, man, sure enough, I mean, they did good and they got it together. And we had that great date where we went down to PetSmart. And, man, there they were looking at all those goldfish. And they were trying to pick out which fish they wanted. And, uh, man, as they were picking that out, they, they couldn't make up their mind. And so, I, you know, I was just kind of just meandering around the store. And I came around the store, and there was this big wall with nothing but kennels full of puppies. And I thought, oh, my goodness. You, you know, I mean, every girl needs a puppy. And so I looked at those puppies, and I said, you know what? I'm going to be super dad. I'm going to be super dad. I'm going to get them babies a puppy. And so, boy, I'll... I, I had it in my mind, I had it figured out, and I walked around, <coughs> around where the kennels were, come around the end of that gondola, and there as I come around the end of that gondola, in the middle of the aisle, there was a puppy that was roaming free, that had squatted down and was using the bathroom in the middle of the aisle. And I threw my hands in the air, and I said, thank you Jesus for your holy intervention in my life. And so I walked around that corner, and I looked at those daughters, and I said, did you pick your fish out yet? You see, there was an intervention that I realized that puppy was going to be in my house doing exactly what he was doing at PetSmart. And I, I said, I don't want that puppy. And I went and chose a fish because that puppy makes a mess all over your house. 
kind of like us. Except it doesn't just stay in the house. It goes all over the world. But I am telling you that while we were busy making a mess in our house, while we were busy making a mess in town, at work and all over the world, God didn't settle for a fish. He looked at you and said, I love you. I want you. I chose you. I'm telling you today that the Father chose you. I, man, when we think about this, this is the heart of a Father's Day message right here. That God looked at that child and looked at us when we were dead, doomed, deluded, and destructive and said, I want you. I want you. He chose us. I don't know why. But he chose us. Now, this thing continues to unfold a little bit further because not only do we see that it was the Father that chose us, but it tells us that it was the Son that changed us. Look with me, if you would, in your Bible. I mean, the dots just continue to connect here. I mean, I didn't make this up. I mean, we read it a while ago. We read that verse a while ago. It says this very clearly. I mean, when we, lay, when we laid it out there in Ephesians, it says, and it was the Father. It was the Father that chose us. The Father of Jesus Christ chose us you didn't choose us i love what first john says it's not that i love god but it's that god first loved me and gave his son to be the propitiation for our sin that's a souped up way of saying the payment the payment for our sin and so when we think about this it may have been the father that chose us but it was the son that changed us Look with me, if you would, in your Bible right here a little bit further in verse 7. We connect these dots. And, I mean, in verse 7, he, he, he just lays this thing out and he says, I mean, man, it's the greatest story. It says, in Christ we have redemption through His blood. Through His blood. Whose blood? The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. Not through a church, not through your friends, not through your papa or your mima, or not through your mama or your daddy or a Baptist or Pentecostal or Catholic or any other faith, but through Jesus, through Jesus, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. In Him we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness, say amen, for whose sins? Our sins. Right there, you can put a little X on the word our, and you can reread that and say, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of Brad's sins. What can wash away my sins? The blood of Jesus. It, can it get any better? Yes, the trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Man, this thing just continues. It says in verse 8, I mean, look at this. He lavishes, He, he lavished, lavished on us all wisdom. And understanding. I mean, when you connect these dots here and you begin to look at it, I mean, we go a little bit further into verse 9. I mean, it, it, it's just the sweetest story. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he planned in who? In Christ. In Christ. For the dispensation of time is, a, is the word there. We'll talk about that a lot this week in our Going Deeper video. But Or the administration of time. And, 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 and the days of the fulfillment when God brings everybody into one being in heaven through Jesus Christ. Wow, what a verse. Isn't that interesting? When you begin to connect those dots, we see here that it was the Father that chose us. But it was Jesus that changed us. For God so loved the world, He gave who? His only Son. That whoever would believe in His only Son would not perish, but have what? Life. Everlasting life. It was God who did the choosing. It was the Father who did the, 
the, the, the laying out of our future. The Bible teaches us this here clearly. And I mean, when these things begin to come together, it says that he looked at us and he chose us. And, and then as he connected the dots here for us, he, he began to bring everything about to the fulfillment. It says in verse 11, in him we were also made his inheritance, predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will. You know what's interesting about that? Would you underline this in your Bible? There's a lot of things you want to inherit, but a knucklehead is not one of them. And that verse says that we have also received an inheritance in him. Predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out everything. It's been said that election has to do with your past. What he chose you from. And predestination has to do with where he's sending you to. You say, oh no preacher, that has to do with being being." God predestined some for heaven and some for hell. Did God predestine you for hell? Did he actually make you in his image so that you could be a trophy of wrath? No, I mean, that's a big teaching today. But let me tell you why I know that's not what it is. Because if you'll go back, and don't take my word for this, I want you to look in your Bible and read what it says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Paul, to the saints at the church of Ephesus writes... He wasn't writing to the people down at the bar room. He wasn't writing to the people who were lost. He was writing to the believers. And he's telling those believers, now before you get full of yourself, and before you get full of religion, and think you're super spiritual, you understand that God chose you when you had nothing to offer because he knew he had a plan for you that you could not comprehend. His word says that our eyes cannot see it, our ears cannot hear it, and our thoughts cannot understand what the Father has in store for those who he loves and are called according to his purpose. Now, here's what he said. God predestined you to be sons adopted as sons. Now, that's an interesting thought. Because when he chose us, he gave the son the authority to change us by his action on the cross of Calvary and the finished work. That's why in Ephesians 2 and 8 it says, For by the grace of the Father, for by grace are you saved, not of yourself. So you couldn't run around and brag about it. Not of your own works. Not of your own works. Not of how much you pray. Not of how much you read the Bible. Not of how much you go to church. But by the grace of God, God went down to the orphanage of hell and he looked in the pit of that orphanage of hell and he said, I'll take them all. So you're not waiting on the Father. He's already made the declaration. The Father is waiting on you to choose Him. You know, we are creatures of time. And we live in the sphere of time. You know, I mean, you knew what time to come here. You knew what time to be here. Matter of fact, you look around and say, where are, where's a lot of people today? Well, they knew to come to the early service today. The early service was packed. So if they could get out, and have time to go to their dads and eat lunch. Praise the Lord for early services. Amen. They knew to be here early. They said we need to be here at 9 o'clock. So that we can set our watch and get there where we're going at a certain time. And we know that when 24 of these hours pass. That that makes one day. And if enough of those pass. We'll end up with a week. And if we get through enough weeks. We'll have a month. And enough months will make a year. We live in the sphere of time. There's nothing you can do to to 
unless you live in another country to deal with time. You say, what do you mean? Well, in Peru, they really don't care about time. They just show up when they get there. That's why when I go there, I say, okay, we're, 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 we're going on U.S. time. You know what I mean? They say, it's 7 o'clock till it's 8 o'clock in Peru. And it's 8 o'clock till it's 9 o'clock. I'm like, okay, we're going to go by U.S. time here. You'll be here at this time. But, but, but listen, we're, we, we deal with time, and we live according to a time. You, you, your, your phone goes off now, and it, it buzzes, and it goes off according to time. And for those who don't use their phones, they still have big calendars that they lay out, Pastor Ralph, and they mark those calendars according to dates and times. I mean, you just like it. It's the way you do business. Because you've got to be there on time. Now, God doesn't operate that same way. The Bible says that for God, one day to us, when you've lived through 24 hours, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. See, God doesn't operate in in time like we do. He operates in eternity. So for God, there is no past. And for God, there is no future. It's all present. When we look back to it says the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, that's so our human minds can comprehend it. It, It's like all one act. It's all one big thing. God operates in all of eternity. And so ultimately, at the same time that God was choosing, choosing, we were choosing God, God was choosing us. That's hard to fathom. But God doesn't say, well, I chose you 10,457 years ago. He, he, he doesn't deal with time the way we do. God is eternity. Everything is swallowed up in one minute, in one second, in one hour, in one time to God. God chose us, and in one moment, he gave his son, Jesus, to be the payment for it. You know how you, when you buy something, when you go to the car lot, or, you, or let's say, let's, let's, let's do something new. You go pick out a new boat. And you say, now I know if I choose that boat <clears throat> that I have to make some preparation to have something to put it under. Because I'm not going to pay $20,000 for something that looks that pretty and let it sit out in the weather. So you make preparation to secure it. And, and that's when God chose us at the same time, the son had already accepted the responsibility to provide for us. To provide the way. The Bible says in Revelation, when Revelation 5, when John wept because there was nobody worthy to take the scroll, it says he looked and behold the Lamb of God that had been slain before the foundation of the world. Slain. Slain. It wasn't a plan B. It wasn't an emergency meeting of the triunity of God that says, oh my goodness, Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden and Eve sinned. We got a crisis on our hands. What are we going to do? No. Jesus has already accepted the assignment to pay the debt and the sacrifice of man before Adam and Eve ever ran naked through the garden the first day. Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 about the Son changing us. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Through his blood. The redemption of Jesus Christ. Now, the Father chose us. The Son changed us. But it's the Holy Spirit that keeps us. Now, I didn't make this up. I mean, look right there. The very first three says, for the Father of our Savior, Jesus Christ, chose us. Do you agree with that? I mean, I didn't make, that's just not good preaching. That's, that's the word of God. And then go with me a little bit further in your Bible, because I want you to know, in verse 7 it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood for our sins according to His riches. Okay, Now, now, now I didn't make that up. 
That's like this time, one time, I remember one time I was preaching a revival. I think I was out in Devil Swamp, literally. And uh, that was the name of it. And uh, I got through preaching. And a guy walked up to me. He said, boy, preacher, that was a, that was a good sermon you preached. He said, but boy, it would have been a lot better had you preached that out of the King James Bible. And I said, well, I understand you might have liked the rendering of the poetry of the text better had I read it out of the King James Bible. But just what in the world that had to do with my message? You know? He said, oh, I, I said, well, which one do you want me to read? It's been revised 13 times. Oh, son, you got to read the 1611. Now, this is, this is the word of God. I, I'm chasing a rabbit here, but I remember one time I saw that guy about 10 years later, and he asked me, he said, I was at Cracker Barrel parking lot. He said, now, preacher, I had just finished a revival. He said, did, did, you, uh, did you ever get you a real Bible yet? I said, you know, I was thinking the other day, if King James was living today, he'd be reading NIV. I thought that dude was going to have a heart attack out there in the parking lot. Anyway, so my point is, this has nothing to do with my theory. This is the Word of God. The Word of God says, in any translation you want, that it was the Father that chose us, and in Jesus Christ you have the redemption through your blood, His blood. Matter of fact, if you just skip over just a couple of verses... I mean, when we connect these dots, it says that we were His inheritance through Jesus Christ. And if you look at verse 13 of chapter 2, I mean, these, he, he just lays it out very eloquently and clearly in chapter 2 in verse 13. I want you to get this. It says, but now in Christ you who were far away have been brought near by His blood. Okay? That, that, that's not my thoughts. That, that's not what I'm thinking. It's what the Word of God says. Do you agree with that? Okay. Now, now I don't understand all everything because the Word of God's a mystery, but I understand this, that the Bible says it was the Father that chose me out of the orphanage of hell. It was the Son who changed me that I could escape the orphanage of hell. And it's the Holy Spirit that keeps me. Now, I, let me prove it to you. I didn't make this up. Go back to chapter 1 and verse 13, and let's read this verse together. In chapter 1 and verse 13. In Him, Jesus Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom when you believed, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. He is the down payment. Now we're the Holy Spirit. He is the down payment for our inheritance. For the redemption of the possession to praise God. For his glory. Now, now get this. Now, this is one of the most interesting passages of Scripture. This stuff is so deep. Matter of fact, Ephesians chapter 1 is a mystery to ancient literature. Because verse 1 through verse 14 is one sentence. There is no period. It's one. They couldn't even figure out how Paul could write this. And it be one statement that long ago, and yet be in the proper, even in the even in the original language, it's one flowing thought. I mean, that dude's just sweeping in and out of the the depths. I mean, it dives down deep into the depths of God's love, and it comes back up to the peaks of God's love, and it dives. It's kind of just like an eagle soaring over the mountaintops. And I mean, it talks about what he saved us from, what he's bringing us to. 
But most of all, he looks at us and he says, Now, my Father chose you. Jesus changed us. And it's the Holy Spirit that keeps us. As we have finished up this sermon this morning, I hope that it's blessed your heart. If there is anything at Family of Grace that we can do to help you become all that God has for you to be, please give us that honor. We also want to encourage you to go to our Facebook page uh, at Family of Grace and plug into our Going Deeper videos. Each week we'll have a Going Deeper video that posts to that Facebook page where it'll be a different setting and a different atmosphere for us to just dive a little bit deeper into the message that God has each week for us. We hope that the Lord blesses your heart. We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors that made this program possible. Tampering Ground Coffee Shop in downtown Alexandria. If you're looking for a great place to hang out or have a break and a wonderful cup of coffee, please stop by and see Jeff and thank him for his support of our ministry. 